You're listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell, a podcast discussing the latest trends in technology in the food and supplement industries, featuring conversations with regulatory experts, quality and safety champions, and thought leaders across the industry. The podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome to today's episode of Transparency Talk with Trustwell. My name is Katie Jones, and I am the Chief Customer Officer at Trustwell. We are thrilled to have two familiar voices back on the podcast today. If you've been with us before, you will remember our industry experts, Megan Murphy, Regulatory Product Lead, and Julie McGill, VP of Supply Chain Strategy and Insights. In this episode today, Megan and Julie are going to dive into several critical topics shaping the landscape of food safety in the food industry today. We're going to talk through the latest developments in the proposal for front-of-pack nutrition labeling here in the United States, give a few updates on the FSMA 204, the Enhanced Traceability Requirements under the Food Safety Modernization Act, and then we'll cap off the conversation with an exploration of an ongoing investigation affecting children into elevated lead levels in some cinnamon applesauce pouches. So thank you so much for being on the podcast and joining us together, Megan and Julie. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. All right, Megan, we're going to start with you um, and talk about the uh, front of pack nutrition labeling. Can you give our listeners an overview of really why the FDA is prioritizing uh, front-of-pack nutrition labeling and what role it plays in the uh, national strategy on hunger, nutrition, and health. So, yes. So, in September of 2022, um, the Biden-Harris administration published their strategy on hunger, nutrition, and health. And outlined in that, um, and one of the goals is to end hunger, but then another goal is to increase healthy eating and physical activity in order to reduce diet-related diseases. And as part of that second goal listed in the strategy, uh, one of the actions was to empower consumers to make and have access to healthy choices. And that uh, included uh, proposing and developing uh, front-of-pack labeling schemes to help those choices. Okay. Um, Clearly something a lot of us care about, uh, wanting to understand uh, very clearly and, and, you know, plainly what's what's in the food to make those uh, eating decisions. From your perspective, how does the FDA plan to actually implement these changes, Uh, especially considering the challenges in you know, there's a lot of information about there, a lot of nutrition information about there. How are they working to convey complex nutrition information to consumers? That's a great question. So as part of that strategy published from the Biden-Harris administration, they tasked the FDA with conducting research and to eventually develop the front-of-pack labeling systems. And part of the initiative that they encourage the FDA is to help consumers, especially those with lower nutrition literacies, to help identify and find those types of products that can be a part of a healthy eating pattern. So moving forward, you know, we have Jim Jones, who's the new deputy commissioner of the Human Foods Program, and he's um, 
you know, in charge of a, a big body of work on the FDA, which includes nutrition and food safety. And he has mentioned recently that one of his tasks that's a high priority is developing this front of pack nutrition labeling system. So, you know, over the past couple of years, the FDA has been conducting research and they've they've published a few different labeling schemes and, and symbols and they've, they've adjusted. And then more recently, the Reagan Udall Foundation, they held a public meeting on behalf of the FDA. And this public meeting was um, held in order to get stakeholder feedback. So they opened up the floor and there were many uh, industry representatives speaking. And it's really to kind of guide what the industry also thinks the FDA should focus on. And, you know, some of those topics that came up in the meeting was whether, you know, what nutrients to highlight. Should you highlight positive nutrients like fiber and, and vitamins or negative nutrients like certain types of fat and sodium, or do you highlight both? Uh, do you highlight calories? And then they also commented on, you know, what the symbols or schemes could look like, you know, using black and white or a color scheme. You know, I think a lot of us are familiar. I've heard over the years, stoplight patterns, you know, red, yellow, green. And so they're still really gathering all of that information. And, you know, more recently, an FDA representative had said, you know, it, when publishing a pro proposed rule, um, especially one with front of pack, it's dependent on a number of factors. So not sure exactly when we're going to expect any news, but it has been a really um, hot topic in the news lately. So we'll just keep an eye on uh, what transpires. Yeah, I was just over in Europe and saw many of the products with that NutraScore, uh, right? The, the, uh, the green for good and the... <laughs> Uh, and the and the red or the red for not so great uh, or the you know the the grade kind of assigned to it so it'll be really interesting to see how this comes together uh, here in the, the United States so thank you Megan um, very interesting to watch this progress and I'm sure we'll be back on the podcast and talking more about this topic in the future uh, we'll shift now to our next topic we'll bring in Julie McGill to talk through FSMA 204's food traceability rule Julie you were on our very first episode and uh, giving an overview of FSMA 204 but we do still find um uh, professionals in the industry that may not be aware of what this is, what's coming. Could you provide our listeners with just a quick overview on FSMA 204 and then any updates on the rule that we're seeing in the industry? Sure. So, uh, you know, for our audience, uh, FSMA 204, uh, which is the section that is focused on enhanced traceability for certain foods, this has always been a part of the Food Safety Modernization Act. Um, but this part of the rule is being implemented right now, and the compliance date is January 20, uh, 2026. And so for companies who are uh, covered by the rule, there is a list of products uh, mainly made up of produce items, um, seafood, nut butters, shell eggs, uh, and ready-to-eat salads, ready-to-eat deli salads. Um, but these items are going to require enhanced record keeping beyond what we do today for, for FISMA. And so there is a defined set of attributes that uh, will need to be captured. And there are certain events that the FDA has identified across supply chains, things like the harvest, cooling, um, 
transformation, which is when I take a product and perhaps I'm I'm manufacturing something like I'm making uh, soft cheeses, which are on the list, or I'm doing something like taking whole head romaine and shredding it and creating a new product. That's a transformation. Um, and then things that we all do today, shipping, receiving. So for those events, there are corresponding attributes and that data is going to need to be collected and stored for two years. And if the FDA requests the data from you as part of an investigation, companies have 24 hours to produce that information in what's called a sortable spreadsheet. And some of the updates that I'm going to provide today um, are, are helping industry understand, hey, once you've collected that sortable spreadsheet, what do I do with it? Right. So um, some of the updates, the FDA actually put out uh, their third wave of updates on uh, November 30th. And so there's a couple of, of new things that are super helpful. I encourage all of our listeners to go take a look at that FDA landing page for FISMA 204. First thing I want to point out is that there's a new web page that's all about traceability lot codes. And uh, FISMA 204 requires lot level product tracing. And so they're providing examples of how you can assign different ways to assign lot codes and also ways to share those lot codes that could be included in transactional documents such as invoices, bills of lading. It can also be shared through um, electronic systems where you're sharing uh, information about those transactions. There's also a new video that highlights the technological components about electronic product tracing systems. And one of the things that the FDA has um, in, in tandem with uh, FISMA 204 is the new era of smarter food safety. And one of the pillars of the new era is uh, tech-enabled traceability. And the FDA recognizes as part of FISMA 204 that for many companies doing this manually is not going to work, right? They need to engage with electronic systems. They need to digitize their traceability record keeping. And so they have this new video that highlights some of the things that companies need to consider um, when you're looking at uh, using electronic systems for product tracing. The next is um, the traceability plans. And for all companies, that are affected by FISMA 204 that are covered by the rule, you have to have a written plan in place that details how you're approaching the rule. And so the FDA has created new examples that are on their website. One is highlighting uh, a plan that would be for a restaurant or the end of the chain, uh, highlighting things like how you collect the data, how you identify items on the FTL, um, who's your point of contact and, and, and things uh, of that nature. Uh, the next is there's an example for a farm. And we know that a lot of farms are covered by the rule. And so it gives an example. They have to provide a farm map and some additional attributes on top of the ones I just listed. Um, the next is they have a number of uh, new uh, FAQs, right? So they've got uh, information uh, for how companies can upload those sortable spreadsheets. So uh, earlier when I talked about the, the sortable spreadsheet and be able to produce that within 24 hours, the FDA is creating a secure safety reporting portal, SRP is what they're calling it, which will be a secure web-based web -based portal that companies will be able to use to upload 
uh, those spreadsheets. So, um, you know, there's lots of different ways that we can share information today. And this is really the first step. The FDA is looking at expanding that into things like uh, APIs and other ways to securely exchange information. And certainly um, we here at Trustwell are following that. And, and um, you know, with our traceability platform, um, today we can produce that sortable spreadsheet, but we're also looking and really paying attention to some of those other things that the FDA is, is looking to put in place. So all these tools uh, that the FDA has highlighted really help to aid stakeholders as they implement new processes and solutions to address uh, compliance for FSMA 204. Thank you, Julie. Um, never can have enough <laughs> education <laughs> and information yep. on that topic. It's a it is needed, um, but it is it is a lift, and uh, and companies we see. Uh, that we talk to every day are trying to untangle this, figure out, and it's not going to be something that companies can do um, independent of working with their trading partners and, and you know, just be able to tackle on their own. And so I'm very hopeful of how this will come together and really bring the industry together to, to create better connectivity of our supply chain. So thank you for that overview. Um, we're going to end the uh, podcast today with a topic that has been trending lately, which is the ongoing investigation involving elevated lead levels in certain brands of cinnamon applesauce pouches. My kids love these, lots of kids love these, and sadly, several children have been sickened because of this issue. Megan, could you provide an overview of the current situation? It's been going on for weeks now, and uh, really what's happening with the recalled products. Absolutely. We definitely have been watching this story in real time and finding out, you know, what new developments have um, been published. So around the end of October, the FDA had announced an investigation um, as a result of the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. They alerted the FDA that there were four cases of lead toxicity in certain cinnamon applesauce um, brand pouches that you mentioned. And at first it was found um, in one brand and with, you know, sold in a few uh, retail locations. And then the FDA and the CDC announced that they were joining the investigation. And more recently, um, it was announced that the case amount is at 64. And uh, the number of cases have spread across the country and actually internationally. So there are a few products that had been exported to Cuba and the United Arab Emirates. And the, ex the investigation has also been identified that um, it's expanded to four brands and more than six retail locations. So the FDA has been sending updates and it's the cases have been, you know, increasing and the, the, the brands impacted. So um, eventually uh, one of the suppliers of um, this applesauce had determined or hypothesized that cinnamon was a potential source. So that's where the FDA is. Uh, right now, um, there's a third-party distribution company called Nega Smart that had been uh, identified as the source of cinnamon, and cinnamon would be the potential source of lead. It's based in Ecuador, and um, the FDA stated they're coordinating with Ecuadorian authorities with that company, and Nega Smart is 
currently under Ecuadorian administrative sanctions, and they're still trying to determine the responsible party of where, you know, what happened, where did the cinnamon come from, and actually where is the point of contamination? So still more more to come in, in this story. Now, <clears throat> we have discussed in past podcasts the Closer to Zero initiative, which aims to reduce childhood exposure to contaminants, obviously like lead. How does this recent investigation into the elevated lead levels in that um, in that applesauce align with the goals of this initiative? And, um, you know, what steps might be taken to further strengthen these preventative measures, right? We're trying for this not to happen. So from a um, closer to zero initiative, how might that, you know, support something like this from happening in, in the future? So it is interesting because with this closer to zero plan, which you mentioned we, we've discussed in the past, uh, you know, the whole plan um, by the FDA is to reduce the exposure of those toxic elements to especially um, babies and young children. And they led with lead, <laughs> actually. Mm -hmm. So lead was one of the first uh uh, heavy metal contaminants that they proposed action levels. So they started with apple juice and then eventually moved on to foods and fruit was included. And, you know, part of this closer to zero plan is to look at the science, propose those action levels, which would be, you know, the, the uh, levels that would alert the FDA that there's, you know, the, the level would be, uh, you know, too high or, you know, would be concerning to be in products and then um, finalize action levels. So right now we're in the, the draft stage um, and the plan does include lead, arsenic, um, cadmium and mercury. So uh, more recently, you know, the FDA did uh, define an action level for lead, which would have been 10 parts per billion for, for fruits. And then they would evaluate on a case-by-case -case basis if companies do exceed those action levels. And then they would determine if they would take enforcement action. So I've been watching this recall or this investigation uh, closely. And right now, all that's been said is that the products contain elevated levels of lead. And I would expect that we can um, there may be some ongoing announcements in this case, maybe to find out how much lead is in the product and how it does compare to their action level. And then in the, the big picture, um, and we've talked about the FDA reorganization in the past, this would fall under um, the Office of Chemical Safety, Dietary Supplements, and innovation, and we're already seeing consistent updates and communication in the investigation. And one of the big goals of the FDA reorganization is to handle the communication internally and outward and consolidate resources to be um, to have a more of a robust response to these sorts of um, mm -hmm. situations. So this could inform you know future action levels it could inform accountability it could inform enforcement and actually could inform how they're structuring uh with the forthcoming fda reorganization so definitely we're going to keep an eye on this and and see what uh what news um comes out of this clearly uh a need <laughs> 
And, um, you know, as you pointed out, this this issue has been um, unresolved for weeks now, kind of, you know, um, a theory. And but still seeing this uh, continuing now without resolution. Julie, from your perspective, how is this issue with lead and applesauce pouches? How is this related to traceability and uh, and what's coming with FISMA 204? Yeah, Katie, you know, this outbreak has really raised concerns about the need for better uh, and faster food traceability. And even though apples and applesauce, these are items that are not on the food traceability list, right? They're not part of FISMA 204, but it proves the need, right, for whole chain traceability record keeping, for data sharing, and really for recall modernization. And so, you know, as Megan noted, the cinnamon applesauce, it was quickly identified as that common thread across, um, you know, these incidents and, and recalls were initiated for the applesauce pouches. But unfortunately, it's been several weeks. The number of cases and the number of brands continues to grow, as Megan uh, talked about. And unfortunately, there seem to be uh you know, the products are still out there, right? Mm -hmm. There are products for sale in stores. There are products online. And, and quite frankly, there's probably lots of these pouches in consumers' pantries, right? And they don't realize that they need to throw those items away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I cannot stress this enough. It's like this incident highlights the need for tech-enabled traceability and for uh, tech-enabled recall systems. Because, uh, it's not just about tracing the source of the ingredients. It's also about notifying all partners across supply chains, as well as consumers, right, to pull those products off their shelves so that we can protect consumers. And in this case, unfortunately, protect these children that are getting sick. And so, um, you know, tech-enabled traceability, this is a reality today. There are systems out there, systems such as, as our FoodLogic traceability platform, that allow trading partners to capture, to track, and to trace products from the ingredients and, and the source of those products to the finished products and all the way out to the retail outlets where consumers are buying those products. So this is such an unfortunate incident and, and hopefully we're gonna, uh, uh, you know, we're gonna be able to contain this and, and, and get things, um, like I said, pulled off shelves, but but for now the investigations continue. And so, uh, like I said, I think this this particular case just absolutely highlights the need for tech-enabled traceability. Yeah. Well, Megan and Julie, thank you so much for your insights. Uh, we love offering our listeners this uh, regulatory roundup on a regular basis. We'll be back. Uh, with future topics and hopefully some resolution to this issue that we're seeing in applesauce. So really appreciate your time and being on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. For our listeners, as you know, our regulatory and industry expertise at Trustwell, um, I think, is unparalleled. And we demonstrate that with some regular online seminars and training opportunities that we host here at Trustwell coming up. Thursday, December 14th, we will be offering an 
online regulatory seminar on the complexity of U.S. food labeling regulations. So learn to navigate the complex U.S. food labeling regulations. We'll be offering that online seminar on December 14th. Um, the seminar will provide a deep dive into the U.S. food labeling regulatory landscape with a focus on FDA regulations. And if you attend, you'll walk away with an understanding of the requirements, the nuances, and the exceptions for food product labeling. We'll include a link to that. It is a two-hour online sem uh, online seminar that we're offering that starts at 1 p.m. Eastern. Again, we'll offer that link in the podcast notes if you're interested in registering and attending for that. We'll also be offering a variety of on-demand regulatory seminars that are available on our website, and we'll also offer a link to all of those regulatory seminars that are available from Trustwell in the podcast notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening and for uh, tuning in to Transparency Talk with Trustwell, where we are talking through the importance of transparency in the supply chain all with the effort to make our food supply chain safer and more transparent. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell. To learn more about Trustwell and its technology platform that connects product formulation, nutrition analysis, and compliant labeling with traceability, recall readiness, and supply chain transparency, please visit www.trustwell.com.